for so many of us in our world, even myself included sometimes, we put so much weight on our experiences or our own truth rather than the absolute truth, the, the truth of God. We might put more emphasis on how we are feeling our experience rather than truth. Our perception is stronger than our reality. And what's so interesting to me is that as we dive into this series, this pursued series, especially in these first few weeks here as we talk about creation, I think we have to make a shift. I know I have to. And I'm hoping that you want to go on maybe a journey with me and make a shift. Can we make a shift? A shift in seeing ourselves in the view of what and how God does and not so much in the way the world does. I want to make that shift. I want to make the shift where I totally embrace the view that God has for me and my identity and who I am as a person rather than allowing the world to shape that in some ways. See, our world tells us that we are a temple for ourselves, your own desires, your own wants, your own passions. You do you, boo-boo, and all will be okay. But today, it's a simple question. It's kind of a two-parter. What is your, temp- or your body a temple of? And who is your body a temple for? What and who? It's, it's this radical shift I think we have to make. And we have to shift from the idea that our bodies are our own and to, to shift it to the place where we understand that our bodies are not our own, but rather our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And if our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we then have to ask the question, so what does that mean our bodies are a temple for? If we've identified the who, what are they a temple for then? Paul, in his writings to the church in Corinthians uh, he, he writes this. He writes this to the Corinthians in, in 1 Corinthians 6. And this is what he writes. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Now, before we just totally dive into just this two verses here, we have to understand that that there are some very rich things happening as Paul writes this. First, he calls our bodies a temple, sacred, holy place for God, pure from immorality. Earlier in this exact letter in 1 Corinthians, he talks about how the church, the body of Christ, the church, is also a temple, this communal temple. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to dive into that next week. But what he does in chapter 6 here in this moment in this letter is he moves it from just being this bigger picture, communal picture, to now this more specific that you individually, you yourself, are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You yourself have access to a personal, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, with God. It's personal. And if our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, then it belongs to him. I believe that's, that's what Paul is talking about here, that if our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, which they are, then it belongs to him. It's kind of like if I borrow something. If I borrow something from my buddy, 
I'm going to try and take as best care of it as I can. It's the same with our bodies. If we're just borrowing these bodies for right now, we're going to try, we should try to take good care of them. We should try to honor God, the owner of our bodies. And what's interesting is as you even scale back just a few verses, we're going to read those in a few minutes, we understand that Paul here in this chapter is talking about sexual immorality, actually. He, he talks about your bodies and don't, be, don't use them for sexual immorality. He talks about don't use them and abuse them in that manner, but rather there's a deeper sense here. It's not just about sex and, and sexual immorality here. He also urges them to not have their bodies be idle. Don't let your bodies go to waste. Don't cause harm or destruction with your bodies. But rather, no, 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 rather bring glory, bring honor to God with them. Maintain it physically. Maintain it spiritually and emotionally and mentally. When we're filled with him, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not just our spirits that are filled, it's, it's our bodies too. And as you zoom back out and, and look at the bigger sense of these few verses here, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 18, this is what it says right before those two verses. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. Pause. Is this not the attitude of so many in our culture today? I'm allowed to do whatever I want. My body, I can do it. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It's my choice for everything. I'm allowed to do whatever I want, but not everything is good for you. Like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute is not good for you. Right? I had to tell my three-year-old that eating ice cream Christmas trees at 6.30 a.m. is not good for you. Although dad wants to do it too sometimes. It's not good for us though. Everything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. That's like a gentle gut punch. Yes, you're right. But like, don't forget, God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So we understand that Paul, yes, is talking about sexual immorality, but there's some deep, deep truths in this text as well. See, when Paul talks about uniting yourself to a prostitute, he uses the verb, the verb that is often used when it talks about marriage of a man and wife. And oftentimes with this verb, 
There's also the reality that a man and wife would have authority over each other because they're united together. He uses the same verb here of uniting yourself to a prostitute. So for me, as I read this, as I'm preparing and I'm just absolutely trying to figure out, God, what are you speaking to? It was a simple question. So what are you uniting your body to? What are you uniting your body to? That was a question for me. God, what have you been uniting your body to? Is it food? Is it sexual immorality, broken sexuality? For some of us, is it alcohol? Is it drugs? For some of us, is it an addiction? What are we uniting our body to? See, the Holy Spirit is stronger than the things of this world that you have been uniting your body to. And the Holy Spirit can and will break the chains of bondage if we simply just repent and ask him. Because when we seek to unite with the things that we are not designed to, when we seek to be united to these things of the world, it's, it's kind of like trying to rob a bank. You might get something but it will never actually be yours. But rather, if we unite to, to the Lord, if we unite our bodies and our spirits to the Lord, it's like putting the deposit into a bank account. There's security in it. There's interest in it. You collect dividends. There's, there's two radical different things here. You can either try and rob a bank or you can put a deposit in the bank. And if you try to rob it, the things that you get will never be yours. And sooner or later, it'll catch up with you. But if you put the deposit in the bank, it's yours. And there's benefits, there's blessings that come with that. If our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, it belongs to Him. Our bodies belong to Him. And and it's very clear from the very beginning. Genesis 1.27 talks about this, that God made man in his own image to reflect him. And, and Ephesians 2.10, again, we're, we're called God's workmanship, his prized, prized masterpiece. God has put so much effort into his creation, into his workmanship, into you and I, and, and, and he did it for a reason. It's not just so that we can just toss it away and do whatever we want with it, but rather because he cherishes it. He values it. It's worthy. It's valuable to him. And for some of us, we have to remember that we are designed and created in his image because so often we've been told the lie that we're not good enough. You don't fit the standard of the looks. You don't fit the standards of this. You don't fit the standards of that. And we buy into the lie and we try to adapt and we try to change. In 2020, 2020, over $6.2 billion was made in the surgical cosmetic industry alone. 6.2 bill with a B. Uh, yearly fitness industries bring in $27.6 billion. Guilty confession. I'm one of those guys, unfortunately. I have a gym membership. I can't tell you the last time I went. 
I'm paying like a monthly tax for not showing up. $27.6 billion, some of that comes from me. And I never reap a single benefit. You know what I'm saying? The makeup industry alone brings in $89.5 billion. That's a lot of eyeliner. You see, we buy into the lie. I have. I've done it before in my life. We buy into the lie that you're just not good enough. If you just change these four or five things, maybe then you'll be good enough. So what do we do? We tie ourselves to things of the world. We tie ourselves to maybe food. And for some of us, that could be uh, the issue of, of how much food we eat, both over and under. Others of us, it could be the next like, latest fad diet or whatever it might be. We tie ourselves to food. We tie ourselves to alcohol. We tie ourselves to drugs and addictions or even bad relationships to seek to just fit this ideal mold. I remember being a freshman in high school. If you guys can't tell, I haven't had a growth spurt since about fourth grade. And I remember being a freshman in high school, and I was the smallest kid on the football team. But I was like, I'm going to play football. And every single practice, my prayer was, dear Jesus, just let me survive. Please don't let me run into alignment and get ripped in half. And playing a running back and a wide receiver, you run into linemen often. Did you know that? And it hurts. And I remember being in football, and, and part of football when I, where I was at was every practice, there was a weightlifting time, right? And it was this time, and I'll never forget it, my coach shows up. It was like the third day of two days, and everybody's having the worst time of their life, including me. And, and he shows up, and he brings in those big buckets of whey protein. Sets on the table and cracks it open. And he just looks at us and he's like, boys, we got to get bigger. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, I maybe weigh 100 pounds wet. How do you want me to get bigger? I've been trying my whole life. I've done everything besides sprinkle miracle grow on me in the shower. Like I've been trying hard, okay? And I remember there was times during weightlifting where, like, guys, my teammates, including myself, are standing over this bucket with a spoon, just eating it raw, thinking, like, if I just have enough of this supplement, if I'm just eating enough of this basically grounded-up chalk, I might get bigger. Or maybe if I just go to the store and if I just get those, those weight building in, in supplements, if I just get enough of the weightlifting supplements, if I just put enough of these drugs in my body to just get bigger and stronger and faster, maybe, just maybe then, I will fit the ideal mold of what it means to be a young male football player. If I just add 20 pounds of muscle, I'll be good enough. If I just take one more supplement, who cares about the side effects, I might be strong enough. If I just take one more shovel of this chalk, one more pill, one more drink, maybe, just maybe, 
somebody will look at me and say, wow, he's it. Because I bought into that lie. As just a young teenager, I bought into the lie. And I tried everything. I tried everything. But I was trusting my own view of myself. I put so much faith in the way I saw myself in a mirror rather than how how the creator of all creation saw me. I was putting stuff in my body in his temple that was never designed to go into my body. Uh, my mom's not here, so she can, I, she's not going to hear this well unless she watches it. Um, but there was times where I literally go to Meyer and I'd purchase supplements that like my doctor was like, don't put that in your body. And I said, yeah, but I want to be stronger. Because I'm fighting dudes who are a lot stronger than me. I, I can't do anything about this, this way, this height, but I can do a lot about my muscle mass. So I'll take whatever I need. I'll do and I'll take whatever I need to take to make me intimidating. I bought into the lie that my view of myself was much greater than God's view of me. And I think if we're just being honest today with ourselves, if we just take a moment even, there's probably a lie that most of us have bought into that we were never designed to buy into. Jackie Hill Perry writes in her book when she actually talks about her own personal journey. And this is what she writes. All I had to do was trust myself more than God's word. I had to believe that my thoughts, my affections, my rights, my wishes were worthy of absolute obedience. And that in laying before the flimsy throne that I'd made for myself, I'd be doing a good thing. This is the reality I think that most of us probably have faced at some point in our lives and maybe even just maybe some of us are facing today, this morning. Whether in this room or sitting at home, maybe just maybe we've, we've been bound before a throne that we've created for ourselves of this ideal image that we are never, ever designed to pursue. You see, Jackie Hilpere would go on in her book to talk about how she made her own wants and desires her idols. And it consumed her. It consumed her to make her body a temple for those things, for her wants, her desires, her, her passions, rather than God. It's just a simple reality of what you feast on, what you put into your body is what you become. Again, flashback to high school, the, the strength and conditioning coach would always say, you know, whatever goes in comes back out. So if you're eating a double cheeseburger before weightlifting, I promise you it's going to come back out. And it's not going to be good. What you feast on is what you become. So many of us consume things that are detrimental to our temples. And I'm not just talking about physical things. Yes, it can absolutely be food and drinks, but we feast on things that doesn't help our mind or even our spirit. Social media, entertainment, conversations, pornography, alcohol, food, addictions, you name it, I'm sure most of us have probably faced it. My question is this, is that when you look at those things that we feasted on for so often, are these things that we would openly bring into the temple of God? 
Would you walk through those doors with a website on your iPad for everybody to see? Would we walk through those doors with our hands full of certain beverages or even drugs or food that was never designed to be in the temple? Because we do it personally. We do it. And I think it's because we bought into the lie of you are your own. Do whatever you want. And we've forgotten that we are image bearers of the one true king. We have forgotten that we are made in his image, that we are made to reflect him, that we are his workmanship, his most valued, beautiful masterpiece. And through that, we have seen that we have fallen sexually, we have fallen physically and mentally and even spiritually. See, just as the temple back in those days was maintained by cleanliness and order, honor and respect, reverence and deep care, our bodies are intended to be treated that way too, with honor, respect, reverence, and care. To ignore the body, to not care for it, to abuse it, pervert it, or desecrate it, it's not just irresponsible, but I, I believe it's a sin that we need to repent of. And I'm, I'd love to tell you that like, I got this all down, but I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I still struggle with body image. I still struggle with how I view myself sometimes. Not just externally, but internally. And I think that there's this reality that we, we have the opportunity to honor and glorify his holy temple of our bodies. But we have to shift, not just our perspective, but we have to make the shift of things we should do to things we can do. Because we can talk a lot about the shoulds. I should eat healthier. I really should. But you know what? The Wendy's four for four is so convenient for me. But I should eat better. I, I should exercise more. Oh, man. But you know that new season four of Cobra Kai just dropped. Whew. Like, I would never sit down and watch a 10-hour movie, right? But then Netflix is like, what if I break it up to one-hour stints, one-hour episodes? I'm like, I'm in. Right? 10-hour movie, I'm out. But if you do it one hour at a time and you're like, next episode. I'm like, I'm in. Here we go. Get more popcorn. But I should really exercise. If, thank you, Dan. <laughs> Some people. <laughs> you know that conviction? Um, should. I should do a lot of things. I should read my Bible more and pray more. But you know, I'm just so busy. I don't know if I can find the time. What if we move? What if we move from I should do these things to I can? I can. I can exercise more if I take a look at my priorities. I, I can honor God with my body more when I understand that it's a temple of his Holy Spirit. So I can eat better because when I put in better stuff, the temple is healthier. I can read my Bible more and pray more. Why? Because I understand that it's the residing place of the Holy Spirit. 
It's not that I should do something, it's I can. Because I can talk about should all day long. But can? That's where the action meets. That's where the action meets. Because we can honor him, we can glorify him. We can live a life that brings honor and glory to the temple. And when we acknowledge and change the perspective, we understand that we just shouldn't do these things anymore, but rather, through his power, we can. Because this is the gospel. That he gave us his spirit, and we can achieve incredible things through his power and his doings as he works through our lives. Our bodies are not ours. They are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Charles Spurgeon once said it this way. Consider how valuable a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. Consider how valuable a soul must be when both the devil and God are both after it. The devil wants us to focus on our own desires. The devil wants to focus on our own wants, our own perceptions, our own views of ourselves, our own things. But God is after our heart to be like his heart. His heart for us, his better desires for us, his temple in our bodies. See, it, Paul was very clear when he wrote this, that God paid the perfect and ultimate price of redemption for us. He sees us as a reflection of him. He sees us as a reflection of his perfection, his character, and everything about him. And he loves us deeply to the point of dying for us so that we don't have to. And here's the truth is it doesn't matter our past brokenness. It doesn't matter your past broken sin. It doesn't matter your shame. It doesn't matter your struggles. God sees you and says, I want you. And I'll do whatever it takes to remind you that I've paid the price for you and I love you deeply. To the point of death itself. Often in our lives we're told it's whatever you do, that's what matters the most. Whatever you do is what matters. It's not who you are. It's whatever you do. I don't know if that's true. Because what you do flows out of who you are. And when we understand that we are image bearers of the one true creator of everything, how we live our lives should flow out of that identity. That we are called image bearers. That he chose messed up people like me and you to reflect him to the world. To the world. When we know that we are his temples, when we embrace that we are his temples, I truly, truly, truly think that it will change how we live because we will bring honor and glory to his temple and to his name by how we live our lives. What's interesting is when scripture talks about uh, being image bearers, when scripture talks about us being linked to God, it's always connected with an action. It's always connected in, with an action. Whether it be in the very first Hebrew, whether it be in Aramaic or even in the Greek language, it's always connected with an action. It's not just a declaration that you are an image bearer. It's also, it's, it's also an action. That you are called to go and proclaim 
God's goodness to the world. That we continue the work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Being an image bearer, it's not just a title. It's something we get to do. So what are we uniting our bodies to, our temples to? This week, this month, this year, what is God moving you to do to care for and honor your body? For some of us, that that might be very simple or very hard to answer. And for others of us, we've never asked ourselves that question. What ways are you surrendering surrendering your body to him? Again, these are not just a physical thing either. This is a spiritual act. How am I surrendering my body spiritually to him? To do with my body, to do with my life what he pleases. How is he asking me to care for and honor my body spiritually? It's not just about the physicalness. It's about the spiritual, the emotional, and the mental. For some of us, that might mean in order to honor and bring glory and care for your body, maybe it's time for some of us we made that call to a counselor or therapist. Because we've been walking around with a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of struggles. For others of us, maybe it's that time to actually go to the gym. For others of us, maybe it's time to look at our diet. And for some of us, maybe it's time just to continue to do what we've been doing because God has been pleased with how you've cared for it. Are we surrendering our bodies? It's a simple question. But I think there's some big implications. Because when I have the posture that's no longer mine, my hands are wide open and I'm not grasping it anymore and I'm not holding on to it anymore, God's going to do exactly with it what he wants to do. Am I willing? Are we willing? I'd love to just pray for us in this. Because I know I've personally struggled with this one. I know this has been tough for me, and I know it's been tough for a lot of people, close friends of mine, family members of mine. I believe that God has just something in store when we totally surrender to him. So would you just join me in prayer? Father, as we just come before you, the first thing that we do is we just simply fall before you fall before your throne, fall before your feet, and we acknowledge that you are God and you you are creator, you are king above all kings, you are Lord of all lords, that you and you alone are God. Father, as we're just in your presence right now, Lord, I just, I just personally just bring the the false idols, the false thrones that I've developed or, or built, and I lay them at your feet. And as we sit here, as we are just laying face first before you, Lord, we just take the false idols we've made and the false thrones we've created and we just submit them to you. 
And we surrender our lives to you, Lord. We surrender our bodies as temples to you, Lord. Whatever you desire to do, Father, may we have the posture of releasing control, releasing our own ideas, our own thoughts, our own idols, and giving them to you, and, and you have an ultimate control, Lord. And so, Father, in this just season, in this next year, in this next month or week, whatever it might be, Lord, when you call us to surrender our bodies to you, surrender ourselves to you, Lord, I ask that you would just walk with your good grace with us, Lord, and that we would see the goodness of you, the goodness of your heart, the goodness of your love, when we stumble, when we fall, when we fail, that you are still good, and you'll pick us up, and you'll walk with us again. So, Father, we just submit ourselves to you. We submit our bodies to you. We submit our minds to you. We submit our spirits to you we ask that our bodies would just be the, the residing place of your spirit. That not only would you move in, Lord, but that you would make it home. And that we would know you personally, intimately. And that we just would see you pursuing us as we pursue you. Father, we give you ourselves. We give you everything we can. And God, would it just be a beautiful act of worship in your eyes and in your ears. I pray this in your name.